I want to introduce the Red Hand listeners to a fantastic business who support the podcast. Hill Fitness is Northern Ireland's leading home gym equipment provider. Whether you're a total beginner buying your first weight set or a strength training veteran creating your dream home gym, Hill Fitness have you covered. From dumbbells to squat racks, gym flooring to exercise bikes, Hill Fitness have everything you need and more. The Red Hand listeners can receive an exclusive discount of 5% off their first order in-store or online. Just use code RED5, all caps, at the checkout. Check them out at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. That's discount code RED5, all capitals, for 5% off your first order at hillfitnessuk.co.uk. Hill Fitness make amazing home gyms happen. The Red Hand is proudly partnered with Shredded Juice Bar, a fantastic local business based on Belfast's bustling Lisburn Road. Shredded Juice Bar stocks a range of fresh, healthy, wholesome and delicious foods and drinks. Fresh juices, smoothies, SIE bowls, protein pots, overnight oats, protein balls, salads and wraps. You can tailor our menu to your needs. Everything is served just the way you like it. We're all about feel-good food. Come and give us a try. We know you'll love it. We're open seven days a week. That shredded juice bar on the Lisburn Road in Belfast. We look forward to seeing you soon. After a short break, welcome back to the Red Hand podcast. I'm joined by Irish Times journalist Nathan Johns and rugby writer Caelan Scully. We're here to discuss Ireland's Autumn Internationals and look ahead to Ulster's game against Zebra this Friday night. So now the dust has settled, we can look back in the series with a bit of perspective. Ireland went three from three in the test games and uh, not forgetting the Ireland A game, uh, which we can discuss briefly as well, because there's quite a lot of Ulster guys involved in that. Ireland A getting beaten by an All Blacks 15-47-12. Of course, again, if you've been living under a rock, you may not have heard that Ireland beat South Africa, they beat uh, Fiji, and they uh, battled their way to victory over Australia to complete the Autumn Nations series with three uh, three wins from the games that really mattered, the official games. Now, there's probably uh, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of uh, things to take away, but I want to talk about the series generally to start with. And Nathan, without going into specifics just yet, on the basis of what we just saw, is this Irish team capable of winning a World Cup? That seems to be all the all the chat at the minute. <laughs> Great start. Uh, give me the give me the tough one first off. Uh, look, I, it's tricky. I mean, look, there's an argument that Ireland, as good as they were against South Africa, they were you know an Andre Pollard playing away from losing that game, and you know a Ross Byrne penalty away from drawing uh, against Australia. So. Look, they the depth was tested against Australia and they won. And I think that's been something that's cost them in previous World Cups when depth uh, does become an issue and you lose lads to injury or suspension or what have you. Um, so if they perform like that in the Australia game, in a World Cup quarterfinal, do they win? No, I don't think so, given it's going to be France and New Zealand. But equally, they could play ridiculously well, like kind of like how they did against South Africa in parts and still lose in a World Cup quarterfinal. So it's it, it's almost impossible to say, uh, especially twelve months out or however long we are. But look, it's it's encouraging. They they played badly in, in parts and still came three from three, which is 
never a bad thing, especially when you're down to your what fifth choice out half. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. If you can play badly and win, you can grind out results. That's that makes a huge difference. Um, in terms of the overall impression you got of teams, Keelan, though, give us a flavour of countries who emerged from that. Uh, Ornament their nationals. Um, countries that who maybe emerge with more credit, their stock has risen. And also, what country's stock has fallen as a result of the uh, the series? Yeah, well, as always, I'll, st- I'll start with the positive. And, you know, we might have been jumping through hoops to beat Australia, but Italy were. And I can only speak for myself massively delighted for them. It's great for Italian rugby. It's great for Kieran Crowley, the whole the whole lot there we we knew the green shoots of progress were there since the six nations and it's great for them that they got the um that they got that win and then on the same side of the coin georgia knocking off a result off wales two wins over two six nations teams this year themselves wales initially so that's that's great um i feel like france has probably gone under the radar a bit like france of old probably lose that game to south africa um in that cracking game marseille and then after that, then a few teams huffing and puffing, New Zealand, Scotland, Argentina. I think Australia did well considering the massive injury load. I think they have about 23, 25 first-choice players out injured at the moment. So rugby is incredibly competitive. at the, Or international rugby is incredibly competitive at the moment. And it's great to see. But there's, you know, if you want to, we just talked to World Cup there. If you want to look at the World Cup, like 12, it's 12 months away these teams have been in a very different space, you know, and Ireland is one example. Australia is another example. Like we could be in the doldrums and they could be an underdog heading in this time next year. So it's, it's exciting anyway, meant for cracking, cracking month of rugby. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, the, the, the Irish tendency I think is to be negative or, or talk, talk ourselves down. And I think that's from learned experience uh, over the years. <laughs> I prefer to go in with ex- expectations, extremely low, um and you can only be uh you can only be surprised then but i want to uh ask you nathan to focus on the positives uh that you would take away from the the series so if you can put a bit of an ulster flavor to this we can maybe talk a bit more widely about positives but um what are the key things you'd take away that are encouraging about that series I think I accidentally gave you one of my positives already by saying that they learned they learned how to win ugly. So right, let's just think of another one on the spot. I mean, the Ulster perspective is uh, Nick Timoney has probably cemented himself as back up to Josh Van der Feer in seven. Um, now there might be games maybe against England and big lineout teams that they decide to to have Peter O'Mahony in that jersey if anything happens to Van der Feer because of lineout, for example. But generally speaking, I think that Fiji game, uh, Timoney has kind of you know. Sh- taking another step up um, the international pecking order, which is good for him. Um, I think Ireland's defence was excellent throughout the, uh, not necessarily an Ulster flavour, but as a whole, the defence was excellent uh, throughout the, the the two Fiji game aside at times. Um, you know, we've seen in the past when Ireland playing, aren't playing well and they're getting run over by bigger teams. You know, you think of, you know, 2018, not 2019 England, um, for example, you know the defensive backlines is going back and back, and I think having guys like Doris in there and and Van der Fleer's improvement um, is excellent. And I think defensively that's had a massive effect uh, on Ireland. And you know it's an Andy Farrell coach side, so the defense is all, you would like to think is always going to be strong, even if at times attacking wise Ireland's shapes weren't necessarily as fluid as they had been during the summer against New Zealand. Um, and I guess the other positive is, look, he had improvements, I think, in that Australia game. And I think you look at that Australia game and think it was one that got away. But 
after the start of the season, he's had Stu McClusey got three games in a green jersey. Now you can make the argument that if if Robbie Henshaw is fit, maybe he's only starting the Fiji game. Uh, you know, that's an argument for another day. But you know, he's he's played out of his skin in the early stages of the season. He's been rewarded. He's got a little bit of luck through injury. Um, he got got his reward. Had a good twenty minutes or whatever against South Africa. Probably figured out a few things he needs to improve on in that Australia game, and he can go back now and. Not maybe not necessarily in the next couple of weeks, but in these big Heineken Champions Cup games that are coming up, he can he can put put it to the Irish coaching staff that he's learned from that Australia game and he gets the chance, having had three games in green, to to really show that um he can he can improve on that Australia performance and and be a viable number two to to Henshaw if not push him a little bit further. So I think that you know as much as the performance was a bit so so against Australia, I think just that game time is a massive positive for him and for Ulster. Absolutely, and we'll turn to talk a bit more about uh, Ulster guys who stock, who have, uh, who's risen or indeed fallen uh, in terms of the Ireland uh, potential to be selected for, for the Ireland senior team as well. So we'll talk about that in a second. I want to ask you to be a bit more negative though, Caelan. Uh, maybe not negative, but just to talk about the sort of learning points or areas of improvements Ireland will need to take away from that um, if they hope to come back uh, come the World Cup the Six Nations and compete against the best teams in the world. You know, it's an attritional game. Uh, we're looking at Ireland's depth and we'll, we'll do that in a minute from an Ulster perspective. But tell us about the, the, the main learning points to take away from that. Yeah, I suppose, I think the, Nathan touched on it, like the fact that we won ugly is as important as anything because it keeps the momentum going while also knowing we weren't perfect. And I think I, I'm not naturally cynical when it comes to this but I did say after the Wales game in the Six Nations England game in the Six Nations Italy game and two of the New Zealand tests we do struggle to put away teams now this wasn't the case you could argue it was the case against Australia where I felt it never looked like Australia were going to score for large passages that game just from my own my own viewing so I think that's that's one thing just that little bit more of a killer instinct but then if you talk Australia game and just focus on that one Johnny Sexton wasn't there. You know, Conor Murray wasn't on the bench. There's a good few injuries there that you could that you could look at. The a lot of people want to focus on, you know, were we bullied, were we stopped from playing? Australia did a good job of stopping us from playing, but then at the same time, it's not it's not a perfect way of doing things. You know, South Africa tried to bully us, but then eventually the holes kept appearing and we realized where they were and we exploited them. Whereas Australia, it was more. We're going to let you have the ball, see what you can do when you defend against us. And they did They did quite well, to be fair. So it, it's not like they're not a perfect team. There's still, a, there's still a long way to go. I think it's more making incremental gains across the board, bar maybe defence. I think defence is really good. Um, like conceding, what was it, two tries in the two games against South Africa and Australia is, is good going. I think that's one of the main focuses, but the rest of it, just slight gains still, you know, killing off teams, keeping their foot in their throats, just things like that, really. And in terms of the specific players, Caelan has helpfully produced a graphic. You may have read his article, which is on the red hand a couple of weeks ago. Um, It was very helpful. It's a graphic which shows where each uh, Ulster player stands in terms of um, how they relate to Ireland. Okay, so it shows guys in the emerging Ireland squad, uh, guys who have been called up um, who or who are just with the squad is a slightly odd arrangement for the likes of Nathan Duke, who seemed to be um, there thereabouts with the squad, you know, initially. 
Uh, and I'm not quite sure how that works. I suppose it gives guys experience being with the team. Um, and then the Ireland A squad, and we talk a wee bit about that match in a second, but um, just in terms of looking at this, this graphic, are there any players there that you look at and you think he's unlucky to have not been given more opportunity? Or indeed, are there guys off the back of that uh, Autumn International Series who maybe just won't cut it at this level from an Ulster perspective? Um, I, I, I wonder, do you have any thoughts on that? I have my own sort of opinions on a few guys, guys who I'm excited about, but I want to hear about who you're excited about or indeed uh, you think might might actually drop down the levels. Like, I'll, I'll jump in on that. Um, yes, I don't think, look, there's nobody you can say they can't cut it. I don't think you can watch any of those three games and say, about any of the Ulster players at least, nah, hit a shocker, get rid of uh, First, you know, based on what we saw and also the fact it's only three games. Uh, I thought it was very interesting, the Jimmy O'Brien selection over Bob Balakoon for the last game. Now, since then, Balakoon has turned up at Ulster and they say he has a hammy injury and he's not playing this weekend. There's a phantom hamstring. He's only been in one place the last three weeks. He's gone back to Ulster and he's got a hamstring injury. Ireland never announced that. So I don't know if that happened while on Ireland duty or if he, you know, on the drive back up the M1, he got out of the car and his hammy was a bit stiff. I don't know. Um, but even if he was injured, and that's why O'Brien got picked in that last Australia game over Balakoon, I think you could make the argument that he hasn't quite done over the games that he did get what Andy Farrell wants his wingers to do, which is coming off, on, off, off his wing, get on the ball and attack that James Lowe role. Stockdale does it a little bit for Ulster, but he does it more in a carrying role rather than a distribution role. Um, I've said it for a long time now. Balakoon is the best objective winger we have in, in the country and four provinces in terms of height, aerial ability, speed and finishing. And um, he just, if he can figure out his distribution and get on the ball more, he will he'll be a shoe in for that Ireland team, probably on the right wing with James Lowe on the left wing. Now, Jimmy O'Brien's a fullback by nature, so his distribution is always going to be a bit better. And I think you could see O'Brien got exposed a little bit aerially against Australia, where, where Balakoon might have done better. But I think that selection, if it wasn't due to injury, and we don't know for sure, shows that Andy, if faced with a choice, Andy Farrell is always going to pick the bigger, foot, big, better footballer. So Balakoon knows he needs to go away and work on that. Now, does that fit into the Ulster system? We don't know, because we haven't necessarily seen him do that for Ulster a lot, albeit we see Stockdale do it a lot. So he's one guy, again, he's another guy who knows what he needs to do now to get back into that side. And he's probably got a better chance of doing it, because clearly Farrell likes the raw materials there because he picked them from day one against South Africa. Um, we talked about McCluskey earlier. I don't think his stock has changed. I still think he's he, Bundyaki's last 20 minutes or whatever he got against Australia does make it an interesting conversation as to who's number two now behind Henshaw. Um, I think what works against McCluskey is in that Australia game, for large parts of it, he had a couple of good carries in first phase running down the channel. But for one or two of those instances, the good ground he made was on the work was undone by the fact he got held up a little bit and he didn't go straight to deck and the ball was slowed up. And for a man that size, you need to be working harder to get the deck or to free the arms, which he normally does so well for Ulster. And he wasn't helped by the fact that for a lot of that game, Australia didn't defend Bernard Foley at 10. They put, uh, I think they put Valentini in there. So, you know, they put a back row and the 12 in there. He's running against the two best defenders all game. Um, And I think, you know, the one time Australia did put Foley in the line, Caelan Doris ran over him in the build up to to that Aki try. So maybe Stu was a bit unlucky there with the personnel. But it just shows what he again what he needs to do. He needs to be better on that first place. He's, his size means he's always going to make ground, but he needs to work harder to get the deck or keep the ball alive or whatever, which he normally does for Ulster. Um, those would be the two ones that I immediately jump to mind. Uh, you know, do we read too much into Treadwell getting dropped for Joe McCarthy for the last game, or do they just want to have a look at McCarthy 
and Treadwell was just a byproduct of that. He did make a mistake against South Africa that led to the Franco Mostert try. Um, you got caught out defensively. Are you going to punish him for one mistake? Unlikely, although as a bench player, when you get 20 minutes here and there, those mistakes mean more than they do in the first 20 minutes of the game. Um, so there's a couple of guys who I wouldn't say they've dropped down in the pecking order, but something has been found out about them and they've learned what they need to do now in these batch of Heineken Cup games coming up. That's, that's why I love having people who aren't Ulster fans, who are just rugby fans, Irish rugby fans on, uh, because you can get a perspective outside the Ulster rugby bubble. Uh, there's an echo chamber that you see on, on fan forums and things. I love hearing a bit <laughs> a bit of level-headedness. And, uh, and Caelan, could you add to that a wee bit in terms of... Uh, now, that's not permission to slag off Ulster guys, but I, I do I do want to hear your opinion on... Uh, on both Balakoon, McCloskey, and any any of those guys um, that you've helpfully set out in this uh, in, informational graphic, uh, that you think uh, that either their stock has risen or fallen as a result of those games. Yeah, well, I was I was actually going to touch on Balakoon for the same reason Nathan did in terms of arguably one of our best wingers in the country, but systematically probably fourth or fifth. Ulster fans, some Ulster fans don't like to hear that because they think. If he's that good, you change the system, but the system works. You know, we have guys coming in off the wing, you know, being a distributor, being a kicking option. So, listen, who are we to to go against my cat? I, I might just touch on a different player because Nathan as well, he touched on Jimmy O'Brien. He got a game at 13, kind of by accident, to be fair. He got a game at 15 and on the wing. And if I'm Mike Lowry, who went into even just going into New Zealand thinking... I'm second choice fullback. You might be just a little bit nervous because I think if you're picking a squad tomorrow, you could easily have O'Brien as your second choice and maybe go with a more, you know, a more experienced player, you know, in terms of uh, a McCluskey in the centre, Earls or Conway on the wing, guys like that to come back in. So I think although Lowry didn't get a, a proper chance, he could be one that might be just a little bit nervous. And by the, I think, you know, Treadwell, he didn't play in that Australia game, but he's been one of Ireland's better players this year on a great year. And I, I touched touch on it in that piece. I think he's 10 or 11 games with Ireland this year, including A games. You know, you can't really fault the lad. He's been he's been very good. And probably, I suppose probably the only thing is Rob Herring has probably benefited from Ronan Keller's injuries problems. You know, he's played maybe eight games this year for Ireland in total. So he's probably nailed in in that third choice hooker position for when Keller comes back. Butlowski did well, Timney did well, and like Tom O'Toole probably is nailed in the number three of tight heads as well. And then, you know, we haven't even mentioned James Hume yet. You know, James Hume was the man, he was going to be the fourth choice centre, third choice centre, starting centre, depending on who you asked. And he got injured at the wrong time, like a few players have, and now he hasn't featured. And the question is, does he make the Six Nations squad? For me, he does. We've never had every fit, every centre fit. Never. Like, he's probably going to get back in there. Someone will probably get hurt or something, even if his form isn't great. He'll get back in. He'll get another chance. So he's probably one who's probably maybe not benefited, but I feel like he's just snuck in under the radar. Injuries will do that. And, like, Andy Farrell has gone for an Emerging Ireland tour and A-games, not solely because of, you know, we're going to play Nathan Doak in the World Cup final. It's not what's going to come down to it. He's doing this to see who's the next cab off the rank come 2024 Six Nations. And having Doak, Stuart Moore, Tom Stewart all involved in Ireland camp 
and then Callum Reed, Cormac Izuchuku, Michael McDonald, Jake Flannery, you need the McElroy. I might touch on Flannery later in terms of the Ulster Zebra game, but all of those, at least they're in the mind's eye. If they had a good Emerging Ireland tour, they're going to be right there for when the when this when this squad recycles into another one. So that's that's definitely a positive. Sometimes it's not the players we see, it's the players who are doing it in training who got recalled. And for Doak, Stuart, Tom Stewart and Stuart Moore, that's very good for them. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's exciting to see those guys, despite uh, the the way Ireland A went, uh, featured a, a number of young guys. It's exciting to see those guys listed from Ulster in the emerging Ireland squads, uh, all, all of which are quality players. I want to want to touch on a couple of players just to, to add to that. Balakun, I agree with you, Nathan. I think uh, he needs to either take the onus to get more involved or be facilitated in that involvement. I think Balakun is is by nature a very laid back person. Now, it takes it, it takes a, a lot of skill to get involved in an appropriate way off your wing and, and choose your moment to come in um, uh, and do that sort of Tommy Boo style, pick a line, come in. James Lowe is the more recent example. So uh, slightly disappointed, you know, people were saying, oh, look, Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite at the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids and that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, Grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. He didn't do anything good or bad, really, in those games. I think that's probably a fair summation of... uh, uh, of what happened but like he needs to uh, some of those opportunities you need to grasp with both hands and it's not not through maybe lack of effort but just l- lack of opportunity we didn't really see what he could do uh, Balakun's really added to his game as well both uh, attacking and defence wise um, and he, he might lose out a wee but he hasn't really played at full back um, before and I think it's it's nice to have um, wingers who are interchangeable you know they can play across the back um, Balakun um, is is a wee bit limited. Similarly, McCloskey, you know, uh, Jimmy O'Brien's so versatile that if you're looking at either or in terms of an extra utility back, obviously you're going to go for uh, O'Brien, who who give a really good account of himself. It's similar in terms of versatility, and I'm all about this in, in terms of picking a, a a strong squad for say it. Uh, a crucial World Cup game. Nick Timoney can play across the back row. I think that will stand uh, in his favour. Um, and so I'd like to see uh, 
Nick Timoney given more recognition. He couldn't have really done more in fairness to him. Um, it's just Ireland have such strong competition across that back row. So look, I think there's uh, the, the other one I didn't mention there. Before, I wasn't too sure about Finlay Bealham. Not, not that I, I questioned how good a player he was, but I just wasn't sure who, who should be uh, second choice or, or third choice for Ireland. Marty Moore, I, I just, I'm uh, chairman of the Marty Moore fan club, if there was one. And I just think he's great. Um, but in fairness to Finlay Bealham, I think his stock has risen. I think he's done very well. And, and no complaints about his uh, him securing the, the sort of second place or number two berth um, on a tight head there. So, um, sorry, Nathan, are you going to chip in? Oh, I was just going to jump. Yeah, well, the, the one thing about Whelan was the scrummaging. I was not coming into that. And he won two scrum, scrum penalties against uh, Stephen Kitchoff. Yeah. And, you know, let, let, let's let's plug what's what's on the site with, with the Kitchoff and his performance against against Ireland for so-so, which we looked at uh, on, on the site. So there's that. That's huge for him, which mm-hmm. is... And the other thing, you know, you kind of touched on it there. The fact that O'Brien was so versatile, that's not good news for the likes of Hume mm. and Larry who are looking at that 23 shirt because those yeah. lads are also versatile. Now, I don't think you can necessarily say their stock has fallen because they've done anything wrong. Hume actually played reasonably well for the first 20 minutes of the Ireland Day game out of position at 12. Um, but you just look at what O'Brien did and in the face of a relentless South African line speed and, you know, a couple of tip-on passes that worked out really nicely to beat the likes of Creel and Dillende rushing up. Hume could he well, well do that and he probably does have the skill set to do that but just the fact that O'Brien was the man who did that means O'Brien's a shoe in for 23 if he's fit uh, for the if not starting winger spot in the Six Nations uh, against Wales in the first week so that's that's just the way it goes you need to be in the right place at the right time he was if Hume doesn't get injured a few weeks out and he gets more Ulster game time is he in that spot instead um, you just don't know the one name we haven't mentioned and I don't think his stock will ever be particularly low because he's done so much for Ulster in Ireland uh, I was really shocked Henderson didn't play the word out of the camp was he would be fit for either Fiji or Australia he obviously wasn't uh, the performances of Tyke Bird and James Ryan don't do him any services and we all know Ian Henderson's a quality player and he will come back and be a quality player but you know barring injury he's not going to be the first choice for Ireland if he's fit against the Wales game purely because those two guys played so well the line the set piece was pretty good the mall defence was excellent and you know Tyke Burns was being on the, on the World Rugby team of the year so, you know, again, wrong place, wrong time for someone like Henderson, but um, it's it's a tricky one. But, you know, he will be in the 19 shares, you'd think. It's it's whether Byrne could could swap into six and uh, Handy could could go into second row. Is that an option? Well, that would mean dropping O'Mahony, which I think they're always going to be reluctant to do because, you know, he's going to pull out a moment. He's going to pull out a 78-minute goal line poach. He's going to nick a line out. He's going to do what was that one against New Zealand he did a few years ago where uh, there's they a chip through? Back. Yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got, he's, he's, he's got no hamstring and he somehow dives back to a kick and nicks it off the toe. But I think it was Bowen Barrett and, and denies a short try. So Andy Farrell, Andy Farrell is a character guy, he really values, which is why he's going to value O'Brien because O'Brien came in at a position he hasn't played at for Leinster for a long time played really well in the 20th minute of an international debut again he wasn't even supposed to be playing like whatever about skill that is character and you listen to anything Farrell says he is such a character guy obviously you've got to be really skillful and do your job but that that type of thing sits with the coach and sticks in his memory for a hell of a long time and it gives you a couple of extra strikes if you do mess up that he will keep trusting you um, and I just think at the minute we look, some, of the, some of those Ulster guys don't have that yet and a lot of it is not their fault they just haven't had the opportunity and um, but I think in each of those cases we've mentioned, you can see why they haven't had the opportunity and you can kind of say, 
well, fair enough, because look at what the guy ahead of him is doing. Like you mentioned, Timoney, mm. he's competing with the world player of the year, for God's sake, to get <laughs> with the team. Like, it's just it's just the way it looks. And it, it is unfortunate that it is skewed towards the Ulster players right now. I don't think there's I don't think there's a conspiracy. Don't worry, Peter. Um, <laughs> but look, it's just it's just the way it goes. And and, and Farrell, I think as long as there's logic behind the, the selection decisions, you can't rent right now. There is, and you can identify it. And it's in a lot of cases, it's difficult to disagree with. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Do you know uh, we or I come at this from an ultra perspective? I know you guys uh, not so much, and that's that's what, why I, I I think it's great to have you guys on. But um, look, I, I think whenever you see uh, comments about ultra guys who should be in, I think you have to name the person they should be replacing. <laughs> I think that's uh, that, and and then people are like, oh yeah, Omani, right enough, or uh, oh yeah, James Ryan, yeah, and, and then uh, they they quieten down pretty quickly. I I, I do I go to bat for for Handy, but look, I don't know how you facilitate him, and I think that's I'd hold my hands up and be honest and say, look, I, I think he has to be in there or thereabouts, but um, uh, that it's not easy. It's a good problem to have for Ireland, of course, um. So I want to turn now to talk about Ulster against Zebra uh, this Friday night. So um, URC action returns. It's uh, at the Kingspan Stadium on Friday night, uh, 7.30. I think it's on BBC. So if you don't have Premier Sports or TG4, it's some of us up in the north don't have. Uh, you can watch it on BBC. So... After the perfect start of two bonus point wins in the opening two rounds over Connacht at home and Scarlet's away, Ulster slipped their only defeat of the season at home to Leinster at a rain sodden Kingspan Stadium. I was there and stayed to the bitter end, unlike some people. Uh, Ulster rebounded emphatically with a bonus point win over Ospreys at home and then that spectacular 37-39 victory over the Lions in Johannesburg. But then there was that bout of... uh, E. coli or whatever it was that meant that they weren't able to, to play the following week against the Sharks. So just before the international breaks, squeezed in a game, uh, went down to Limerick, held on for a hard-fought 14-15 win over Munster to leave them in second place in the URC. So we're up, as I say, against Zebra this Friday. So they occupy bottom place of the URC league table, no wins in their opening seven games. However, they came close against Leinster. Uh, that game, I remember seeing the score coming through on Twitter. I was praying that they would beat Leinster. I thought it would be amazing. Uh, sadly, they lost uh, 29-33. And they went pretty close with the Sharks as well. So 37-42. Uh, so it's a side that uh, Dan McFarland won't be taken for granted. Uh, we did beat them last time by almost 50 points. I was looking at the, uh, the sort of potential... Uh, starting uh, 23 for Ulster. And I want to um, just go through the injuries that we have in the squad. Okay, so uh, Sexton, Aaron Sexton is out, um, injured his thumb. Addison, who we thought might be back, is out. Ian Madigan, Balakun, as you say, Nathan, hamstring injury. Uh, Jude Postle, wait, we haven't seen much of him. Sean Raffle, our new signing, and the other new signing, Rory Sutherland, also in the injured list. But Nathan... Having said all that, I want to ask you about Will Addison. So when the injuries just become too much and Ulster have to cut their losses, or is Will Addison so good he's someone that's worth waiting for? What do you think? I don't think you can ever have enough good players. I don't, honestly. Uh, 
I mean, if you are someone like a Larry or a Hume, who we're talking about, maybe they're falling behind an O'Brien in the pecking order. And a fit Addison is probably bad news for them because the, the opportunities they do get in Europe then probably become a little bit fewer, fewer. Far between if someone like Addison is in there because, look, there's a reason why Ulster are waiting on him. There's a reason why he's always in and around if he's fit, how long is it before he's back in the Ireland squad? Like, he's just a pure footballer. And we've seen, we said it earlier, if the decision between two players in the Ireland squad, Andy Farrell, we know now, is going to pick the better footballer. And that, that's where Will Addison comes in, you know, the better the better player on the ball with, with his hands. Um, so, and again, in the interest of looking at that 23 shirt, he covers at least three, if not four positions. So, no, I don't think, I don't think they're at the stage yet where they're saying we got him loose at all. You know, I can't imagine he's on a massive contract, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't. I wouldn't say he's a massive financial burden. You know, they're still able to bring in someone like a Kitschoff next year. Um, and I think Vermeulen's got another year as well, doesn't he, next year? So there is a year where there's a lot of money off the books and they still have Addison. Um, I know you said he thought you might be back. We'll see, you know, hearing that it might be the new year. Uh, we don't really know for sure. Ulster haven't said anything for sure, so it's always iffy with that. But yeah, potentially new year time, I think, is 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 the timeline. But we'll see. These things always change. Um, but no, I, I think as much as he, if when he's fit, he'll take game time away from some of the younger lads from an Ulster point of view. Injuries, as we can see with Addison, always happens. And you can never have enough good players, particularly when you get towards the back end of a European campaign, if he's, if he's fit and firing and, and returns to form. Yeah, well, Addison's just one of those players. He's he's a class act. Do you know he um he can create something out of nothing, and I love the same comeback in because uh, you can play him at thirteen, you can play him at fullback. Um, he um he's creative and he's he's a good distributor as well. Do you know? So we need as many of those guys who are top level. Um, uh, and look, rugby is such an attritional game. I think it's. I mean, you look at that that injury list. That's actually not too bad as 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 teams go, you know. But we have uh, seven or eight players out. So um, the other guy is Henderson. Uh, ho- hopefully, Henderson's back pretty soon. You're saying Nathan that there was chat that he'd be back for that last Ireland game, but uh, alas, it wasn't to be. So we'd like to see him back for Ulster and getting some match fitness as well, because that will be key for him. Do you know? Uh, he's a guy who does better whenever he, well, like like the vast majority of players, he does better when he's been playing. Um, and Caelan, I just want to ask you about Zebra. And their team Ulster could probably get away with a more experimental side against. I know all the chat out of Ulster will be, we'll have to take this game seriously. But in reality, they'll probably want to try a few guys. Who should Ulster be given a go? Uh, who are you excited about seeing develop and get more game time in that squad? Yeah, well, I, first name that came that came into my head when I seen this question in the notes was Jake Flannery. He went down to South Africa for the American Iron Tour, did well. He was he played one of the games, if I remember correctly, or only started one of the games anyway. He did really well, and you know, just off my own research and notes here, himself and Michael McDonald are the only two senior Ulster players who haven't featured this season when fit like Henderson and Addison and Addison are the only other two. So they're, they're the two that just jump out. And to be honest, like I said, it last time I was on here, I think Ulster do need to test that depth a little bit more, especially at, at 10, not so much nine because they've got two top quality nines, but just a little bit more at 10 because Madigan's been injured. Um, Burns is, is the man, but you know, Jay Flannery is only 20, 23, 24 years of age. Like he's, He's worth a he's worth a punch, especially against Zebra. I'm pretty sure like 50% of his monster caps came against Zebra. So like 
he's he's more than good enough. That's not the the issue. Um, I didn't I, I didn't realize Sean, Jude Postlewaite was injured. He would have been one I'd kind of like to have seen. I thought he was really good for the under twenties. But if not, you know, Frank Bradshaw Ryan maybe like he he played AIL last week or the week before, so he he's fit. Um, is a Chukwu. He's always exciting to see, and then you know, just a range of Ulster backs you could say in terms of you know, Little, Moore, Hume, McElroy, Stockdale, any of those. Just just to see, just to make things up because I think Ulster they'll win anyway. It's about getting the bonus point. I know. Zebra can make life difficult, but I think you know there's there's good attendance figures. I've seen those tickets reduced, and it really boosts the amount of tickets bought. So it should be a cracking night up there. But I'd still make room for for experimenting because, as far as I'm aware, from what I'm hearing, the internationals will be available to play seven of the next ten games up to the Six Nations, give or take. So if you do want to leave them out of this game, do, and then you get Europe or European games three interpros. So I I definitely be like Flannery, McDonald's, guys like that. I know there isn't internationals ahead of them, but they'd be, they were the first two to stand out. And I think they have to, and even Henderson, I'd bring Henderson straight back in if he's fit and make him captain. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It'd be good to see all those guys completely agree. Uh, the likes of Frank Broadshaw Ryan, I'd like to see see a bit of him because um, we haven't really seen, there's, he's played a wee bit pre-season. He's come on for, for cameo appearances here and there. Uh, one of the guys I think, I'd like to see what he's made of as Eric O'Sullivan. So Eric O'Sullivan's a guy, came into the Ulster squad, eventually worked his way into the Ireland team. His stock has fallen. He's not doing anywhere near the same amount of ball carrying that he used to do. He used to be a very dynamic prop. Now, his form is starting to improve, but they're bringing in, they've identified that as an area they need to strengthen. So Andy Wark is taking his starting place. And then they've they've brought in uh, Sutherland and Kitchoff will be joining as well. So like the reality is Ulster don't have uh, enough faith that he's going to turn out to be uh, a guy that would be comfortable starting. Um, so I'd love to, and I don't say that out of to, to criticise Sullivan. It's more to see what how he responds in this situation. Um, and I think that'll be really interesting. Tom Stewart, uh, another one who uh, has been very exciting. There's there's an article, just to plug another article on the red hand, there's an article about Tom Stewart. I think you did it, Nathan, um, about how exciting he is. Um, and uh, he's a dynamic uh, he's a dynamic hooker and he scores a lot of tries uh, for that reason. Um, look, in terms of... Um, other guys, I would like to see Flannery. I'd, I'd, I'd say that they might give him a go. Burns is, is available, but we know what Burns can do. We need Flannery to get minutes. Uh, Dave McCann as well, who's a very exciting prospect. Uh, he can play uh, number eight. I think we're very light at number eight at the minute. Um, we have Vermeulen, and then ideally Timoney will be starting for us at seven, and we need a backup eight, and McCann is, is the guy. So we're seeing bits and pieces, but this is a perfect game to start him in. Vermeulen should be available, but give McCann a go. Now, I'm always reluctant to ask, and I know... I know uh, you're reluctant always, Nathan, to give predictions, but I'm not looking for a scoreline. I just want to know what do you think will happen on Friday night? Do you think it'll be uh, an easy, an easy uh, high-scoring game for Ulster, or do you think Zebra have the capacity to, in the same way uh, they've done in other games this season, to give Ulster a run for their money? What do you think? You asking me that, Peter? Both of you, sorry. 
Uh, I think it'll be... I think Zebra are handy, especially in the back line. We saw they cut Leinster open a few times. Now, that was a terrible, disjointed performance from Leinster. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a you know 50-30 job in favour of Ulster. I think a high-scoring high bonus point win for Ulster would be, uh, be what I would think. I'm really interested by what you said about the... Caleb, about the 7 and 10 the games of the Irish internationals. And who counts as that? Like, do the lads in the A game count? Like, can Stockdale, Lowry, Hume, can they only play seven games? Or can they all play this weekend? Scott Tree. And then the other thing to consider is that the week after is Leinster in the RDS. And generally, what I think will happen on the Leinster side of things is they'll rest everyone this weekend and then bring all their Irish internationals back for one game before Europe. They will also do the same thing, especially if they want to try and keep contact at the top of the table which would suggest that they might go for a bit of rotation this weekend and, and play a stronger side next week. But I, I've no idea. Um, it's, it's it's a really tricky time for that Leinster game, actually, right before Europe and those blocky games. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Caelan, uh, what do you think? Are Zebra a good enough team to give Ulster, uh, put up a fight against Ulster this Friday? Yeah, I think I think the weird thing about Zebra is, and I think it was coming Bernard Jackman or someone whom I references, they don't really fear the Irish team. So that's why they've more of a cut at us. And it's not that they don't fear us because they beat us. It's not that. It's just as simple as we're going to just try and see what works. We're just going to just gonna go for it. And it has worked well for them this season. You know, came close to Leinster, came close in, in some ways against Munster, you know, kept them scoreless in the second half. So I think, they, I think they'll come out fighting. I think the weather could be, that could be a factor that could help Ulster, you know, because you know, it's been a pretty horrible week so far, weather-wise. So, I think I think they'll go out and they'll have a cut. You're you mentioning predictions. I still don't see a way Ulster don't get a bonus point win in this because even if they rotate, as Nathan said, it's Ulster, it's, it's Leinster. Sorry, followed by two weeks of Europe. You don't put your hand up in this game. You're you're off for the next three weeks. So players who want to impress, as long as they don't force it, is the big thing. Yeah, like they, yep. they they'll win. Win. They they will win, and they'll win handy. It's just like don't be surprised if it's. 10-3 after the first half hour because Zebra could make it a gnarly one. Yeah. Uh, you, you, say, you say that, but I mean, but like they 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 really like to throw, they throw the ball around a lot more Zebra than they did in the past, I think, watching them. That's true. And yeah, they, they love to make it gnarly, especially because like if you look at those, their recruitment this year, they brought in a ridiculous amount of players, like over 20 new players. Half of them are South African. So they just brought yeah. over a whole lot of lads who are going to go nowhere near a, a provincial contract in South Africa. And, you know, so they're packed actually decent. Probably not the most, it's not very skilled, but they're like, you know, we saw that they did Leinster, like they, you know, the physically, apart from Jason Jenkins in that game, which was when he announced his re-emergence, they kind of put it up to Leinster. So if it is a wet game and on arm wrestle, you know, Ulster probably have a better pack, but it's not going to be, so I think Ulster almost want to get into a shootout with them and say, right, we'll back our defence over yours, because Zebra's defence isn't great, but their attack looks decent and they have a half decent pack. So I, 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 that would be the way. Now it's been, a, it's been obviously been a few weeks since we've watched Zebra, and after a break, you've no idea how these teams are going to come out. But um, yeah, the, the recruitment that they've done this year, Zebra, is, makes it makes their style of play difficult to play against. I think, yeah. Yeah. and I think they did something like nineteen players in and twenty-two players out, or vice versa. Like it, it was massive revolving door, but it has I'm not going to say it's worked. They've only played seven games, and they've I don't even know if they've won one yet. But but still, it's as you said, they are. There's a little bit more of an edge to them, a little bit more of a, a cutting edge on the road in particular, not just at home. So yeah, Ulster's Ulster's pack should be good enough. Like I don't like all like if Jason Jenkins doesn't play that night up in Raven Hill, there's a good chance that Ulster win that game. You know, to go back to him. So very very possibly, I think they'll they'll have a cut. But I still think Ulster will have too much. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it'll be interesting in terms of guys who stick their hands up. So there's, there's two ways to approach this game as a, as a game, which is a bit of a home run uh, that will likely come away with a, a convincing win. But the attitude of the guys getting a chance, the likes of Jake Flannery, um, um, some of the guys, the likes of Dave McCann being put in there as well, they need to put their hands up and say, look, I'm going to approach this game in a in an aggressive and relentless way <laughs> and it doesn't matter what the opposition's like I'm going to put my hand up for selection in the bigger games and uh, so we'll see uh, it, it's set to be a, a fairly cold night in Belfast and um, prob- probably not an easy place to come so uh, fingers crossed we get a resounding victory and look, we'll be back after that game at some point early next week as well so uh, to review what happened and we'll see we'll see if these various predictions are correct so guys thanks very much thanks Caelan thanks Nathan no problem cheers Peter. cheers